We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined today by Michael Jerome Fahachi. Fahachi, Pacers lose a tough game today, 109-100. to Alex, I wish I could be more positive. I, I want to say I feel like I predicted basically around a nine-point loss, but that was more if Oladipo was not going to play. Mm-hmm. Oladipo did suit up, so I feel like that is the bright spot, but... Unfortunately, I just don't think these Pacers played as well as they did in Game One with Oladipo. So, you know, nothing, nothing to blame him at all. It was just, it was a bummer because I felt like by having him in the lineup, you were going to get that boost today, and it didn't show. Yeah, well, one thing that we kind of talked about, and I don't know if I talked about it on here or if I just put it on Twitter, but I was saying, hey, we know Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are going to beat you. You can't let the other guys do that to you. Well, the other guys did it to us, and, and Jimmy and Bam really didn't have great games. I mean, Jimmy had 18, so he didn't play bad, but Bam only had seven points. But offensively, the Pacers gave up 44 points to Goran Dragic and Duncan Robinson. When they're scoring like that, Fachi, and they were scoring at ease, the Pacers aren't going to win very many games. No, they're really not. And the, the sad part is, is that I predicted, I said it last episode, Duncan Robinson is not going to shoot two for eight from three again. I knew that wasn't going to happen because he's such a good three-point shooter, but I could not have predicted this. I mean, he started the game off going three for three, you know, just off the bat, Mm -hmm. a quick nine points. I mean, he didn't miss a three until I think his seventh three of the game. I know he was six for six, got fouled on a three, even hit the the three, you know, free throws right there. So essentially, you know, basically hit his first seven threes if you want to, you know, put it that way. But it was just tough because you want to be able to help out on Jimmy Butler. You want to, but it leaves Miami shooters open and an open Duncan Robinson is a problem for this Pacers team because he is that good from three-point land. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, Fachi, it's it's even more than just Jimmy Butler. 
it's it's the offensive movement that the Miami Heat get compared to what the Pacers get. That's one thing I just went back and watched the second half before we recorded. And one thing I kept watching, that first part of the uh, third quarter, it was all Goran Dragic. Constantly beating Malcolm Brogdon off the dribble, uh, which we know Brogdon is not great against smaller guards. And I don't think Goran's that much smaller, but he's quick. And Brogdon struggles with guards, I don't point guards. I mean, I honestly think the Pacers have to consider changing up their defensive matchups. I do not like Brogdon on Goran Dragic. I think that's a terrible decision. I, w- I would put him on Jimmy Butler, and I'd put TJ Warren on Jay Crowder. Or, or those two flipped. I don't really care. But it was just Miami's offense constantly moving, constantly trying to get guys open. They don't let the ball stick for more than a second. What do the Pacers do? They hold the ball. They're all spread out, five out. Turner tries to set a screen. There's no ball movement. I know McMillan said he wanted to do some driving kicks, but you know there's no there's no movement at all outside of the ball handler, and it's 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 really what is the you know the driving force here for the the Miami defense. They're basically just sitting there packed in the paint, and the Pacers aren't getting any good looks. So you know they've run some offensive plays for Duncan Robinson. He gets hot early on. What do we know about a shooter when he gets hot early on? It gives him confidence, and it opens up the entire offense. That's why guys were able to drive the lanes with these, and it just was a recipe for disaster, Fudge. I started getting jealous of Miami's ball movement. It was that good. They were swinging that ball around. Everybody was getting a touch. They were swinging it around three-point land, and just shooters were just knocking down shots. And just as you talked about – Pacers possessions, it just felt like you were using up most of the clock each time, just slow, you know, you really never had anything really going, and that was the problem, because Miami was just able to get guys like Duncan Robinson going from three, you know, you had Goran Dragic two for four from three, but just a big game overall for him, Tyler Hero, another great three-point shooter right now, I don't want to say great, but a good three-point shooter, you know, three for eight on the day, it just... Jimmy Butler's hitting threes now. That still makes no sense to me. But <laughs> it just it was at a point where Miami shot 51% from three. I mentioned last episode they came in as the second best three-point shooting team in the league behind only the Jazz, and they showed it today. I mean, they knocked down threes at a high clip. 18 made threes to the Pacers, 12. I, I know that's only a six you know, you know, six made three differential. The Pacers were getting some threes late in the game. It was a big differential in the game, and it's just it showed the three point shooting was a major difference in this game today. No, there's no doubt about it. I would love to go back and count how many wide open threes Miami had because I mean there was there was times when there was not even a hand in their face. I think the actual three that Duncan Robinson missed, Oladipo was right in his face. Um, there was one play, I believe it was when Jimmy Butler drove to the basket in the third quarter. It might have been the fourth. I can't remember. It's all running together now. But they used Duncan Robinson as like a fake screener. So he comes up. TJ Warren gets ready for that screen. Oladipo sticks with Duncan Robinson. Well, Warren kind of like waits because he thinks, oh, I'm going to get some contact here. <laughs> and Duncan Robinson just trails up to the three-point line, which leaves Jimmy Butler with a wide-open drive to the lane. So it's just like... When you have a guy that's that hot, that's how much he dictates what their offense is going to do. I mean, the dude only played 25 minutes and scored 24 points, Fachi. So he's scoring a point every minute. I mean, his three-point shot was so deadly, um, I I couldn't believe it. And, you know, and then once again, Goran Dragic has been 
the absolute pacer killer. I mean, I don't know if you saw it the same way I did, but Malcolm Brogdon could not hang with him at all. He couldn't, and this is, I mean, this is Goran Dragic we're talking about here. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, degrade the man or anything. But if you told me that Dragic was going to be putting up twenty-two points per game in this playoff series, I would say there's no chance the Pacers are going to win this yeah. game. And this is a guy. This isn't some, you know, young guy or whatever. He's thirty-four years old, and he is playing some of his best basketball right now. It it, it hurts to see because that's the definition of other guys stepping up you know we just talked about before 24 points Alex he did it on eight shots that's yeah. unbelievable yeah I mean right there I mean that that really is I mean seven of eight it's as efficient as it gets uh guys like Warren Drogic making you pay it, it hurts because the Pacers held Bam scoreless in the first half yeah Jimmy Butler was not having a good game he hit like two miraculous shots uh, at the end of the second quarter, you know, gave him like five quick points. I mean, in the first game, he was getting to the free throw line a lot. It, I felt like the Pacers did a good job on Bam. They got him in quick, two quick fouls early in the game. Uh, but just Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic being the difference is one of those games that it's a shame because once again, it's like the first game you felt like, well, if we had Oladipo, the second game, then all of a sudden you're talking about, well, Duncan Robinson changed the game. It, it, a guy like Duncan Robinson should not be that effective. Like uh, he should be able to swing a game like that on eight shots, but he really did. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing: like we we look at Bam Adebayo's numbers, right? Um, not a great stat line, but if you look at his plus minus, he was the best plus minus yes. for the Miami Heat. Um, when you have a guy like Dragic and a guy like Duncan Robinson going off like that, Bam doesn't have to do anything on offense. What Bam was doing well was his defense. You know, I, mm-hmm. I thought I think we need to talk some positives here in a minute, and I want to get to Miles Turner because I thought he had a great offensive game. He did, but um, but yeah, Bam out of bio. I mean, his defense has been really solid throughout this entire series. Um, and one thing that he does is he's able to impact the game when he doesn't have the ball, and that's what I want to see more from other players on the Pacers because it's just like if, if these guys aren't going to do anything besides, you know, hold the ball and shoot at the last second, they're going to be in trouble. Like, I I don't know what we're doing with this bench unit, Foch. Um, that, that to me, has it, it cannot continue to be the way that it is. Um, I uh, I don't want to see all five of those bench players out there ever again. Um, that, that rotation is awful, especially without Domas. And it's there, Jakar Sampson has been the only efficient scorer on that offense. But if you have you seen Jakar try to set a screen, I mean he makes no it's contact the with the defenders. Yeah, there's exactly. no contact. It's just like, uh, and then when he tries to protect the rim, there's nothing there, and it's not his fault. He's undersized. But it's like McDermott. When are you going to show up, man? Like this guy, you said it. We signed him at midnight two years ago. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be this great offensive scorer, and he's been. You know, ineffective since we got him for the playoffs. I mean, this is six games that he's been in the Pacers uniform in the playoffs. I don't have his numbers up for the playoffs for the Pacers, but he's been a no-show. T.J. McConnell, somebody we wanted to see get more minutes, actually played less today, and he was atrocious. Uh, It's just Justin Holiday played 29 minutes. Edmund Sumner only got four. Uh, Edmund Sumner was probably one of their best defenders against against the three-point shooters. So I I don't know what we're going to do, but I I really think at this point – 
the Pacers have to change their starting lineup up. They got to put Aaron back on the bench because if they're going to be able to, if they're going to run those bench units, Foch, like they have been, they got to have a scorer out there. I don't think Aaron's the only guy that can create, but I mean, he's at least someone that can get in the paint with with McConnell, uh, a little bit more of an outside threat. And I think Sumner, you got to put him on Duncan Robinson and say, you got to fight through everything and you got to figure out a way to hide Oladipo somewhere because one thing Oladipo does is he helps way too much. And that's what got the Pacers burned a lot with Duncan Robinson. You have to change the lineup. Changes have to be made. When you're talking about that Oladipo thing right there, I felt like in the the first few possessions of the game, he wasn't respecting Duncan Robinson's shot as much as he should have. I kept seeing him kind of sag off a little bit, and Duncan Robinson made him pay. And it it was evident. It it hurt to see. I understand, you know, hey, he's trying to – that's the tension that Jimmy Butler was drawing. You know, it, a lot of that offense goes through Jimmy Butler. He makes a lot of plays for the Heat, uh, but unfortunately, you know, for us, he was making the right ones, and he was mm-hmm. finding open shooters uh, today. So they're going to need to make a change. I mean, Edmund Sumner, we talked about it. He played a pretty good first game. He really mm-hmm. did. Uh, and he played a lot of minutes. And I said that that was definitely a product of Oladipo uh, not playing, basically. You know, he got hurt in the first quarter. But four minutes, I mean, that's, that's a major drop-off. I think that's like... 25 less minutes than he played you know in game one um and Aaron Holiday once again two quick fouls that hurt to see um so he only ends up playing 21 minutes overall but I do think we could use a little bit of a boost off the bench because the guys they're not getting it done Justin Holiday I thought he played a good game he did you have plus minus of seven you have six points seven boards five steals two blocks I feel like that's you know, a stat sheet stuffer, only two for four. I, I thought he did good for what he is. We're not expecting Justin Holiday to give us 15 points a game. That That's not what we're looking for. I thought he did good for his role. Jakar, like, come on, for, for being, like, basically the last guy signed to the team, yeah, he did play pretty well. He did. He cleaned up some baskets in there, but you're limited there. When you talk about Doug McDermott, he's he's – like he's creeping up on being unplayable right now and it it sounds mean to say but when you said you didn't have the playoff numbers up in front of you Alex he averaged two points per game last year in the series against Boston right now through two games two and a half points per game I mean the guy he can't defend he's not knocking down threes right now I don't know what you're gonna do I mean he's one for five from three you know it's not crazy numbers but at the same point you're two for eight in the series I mean, why can't you be doing what Duncan Robinson's doing? Or even what I said, tweeted it out. Can you do two-thirds of what he's doing? Can you do half of what he's doing? We, we paid you to knock down threes. You have to be able to do it. McConnell, I think he'll step up. You know, he hasn't played as well, but I'm not as worried about him as I am guys like Doug McDermott because this bench right now, it looks far too weak. Well, I'm a little bit worried about McConnell. I will admit that. Um I just feel like Miami's defense is so good. And, you know, if, if there's not a lot, of, I mean, I think the best play that we've seen with the bench unit so far is McConnell driving and hitting Jakar Sampson for a uh, for a mid-range elbow jumper. I mean, that's pretty much been the only success our bench has seen offensively. I mean, you might get a couple shots that fall down there. But, you know, Justin Holiday played 29 minutes. He came in for Aaron when he got in foul trouble. I like that lineup, actually. He didn't really shoot the ball a whole lot. Not a lot of ball movement. That's the problem here with this Pacers team offensively. There's not a lot of ball movement. And that is probably, you know, why McDermott continues to struggle. Because it's like if there's if there's nobody getting into the paint, 
if there's nobody creating any movement, how is he going to get any open looks? He's not. You know, that is what got Duncan Robinson. That's what got Goran Dragic. That's what got Tyler Hero. Open looks. I mean, I know that Tyler Hero didn't hit a lot, but he still had some wide open looks. Some of them just didn't fall. Yes, he did. So, mm-hmm. and it's like McDermott's not even getting that. He's almost forcing whatever he gets. And it's like he made a layup today. That's the only points that he contributed to this team. And personally, if the Pacers, I mean, they got to have a backup center to give Miles some minutes. So, sure, play Jakar, whatever you have to do. But they got to shorten this rotation up. It's uh, it's do or die time now, Fletch. We're down two games to nothing, and there is no home court advantage. So whatever, you know, they can still make this a series if they come out and take care of business Saturday, and and put some pressure on Miami. But Miami is doing whatever they want on offense and on defense. They're dictating everything, and the Pacers are just trying to react. It's it's time for the Pacers to put their foot to put their foot down and really step up because I've been disappointed with the the way the Pacers have attacked this Miami Heat team. I, I don't, and when you're talking about being disappointed with the way they've attacked him, I feel like they're just not even attacking at all. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, this was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a game where I know they ended up with 20 free throws, but towards the end of the game, like, I, like I'm saying, you know, Vic got to the line late in the game a few times. He shot at least four free throws at the end. There, there was, At one point, Miami had double the amount of free throws that the Pacers had and double the amount of three-pointers made. That's just a huge difference in a nine-point loss. I mean, Miami right now, if you went just by the numbers, you know, of turnovers, it it looks even. It was sixteen to sixteen, but Miami only had one turnover in the third quarter. I mean, they they're protecting the ball at times where you know they outscore the Pacers by six coming out of the break, and it, it made a difference. So it's just it's tough when the Pacers aren't doing the little things like. You know, turning over the ball, you, you have to be able to force more turnovers if you're not going to be making threes at a high clip. So I, I felt like things like rebounding battle, yeah, the Pacers have been in it in both games. They, they they came up a little bit short here, but that wasn't a big difference today. It wasn't like some of the games we saw in the bubble. The difference was Miami finding open looks through the ball movement, and the Pacers had nothing like that. Now, here's what I want to say. Vic... He had 22 points, all right? On paper, looks great. Here's what I'm worried about, Alex. Six turnovers. Six turnovers. He had 14 shots today. 11 of them came from three. Yeah. When when he drove, he was going to the line. He was getting fouled. I, I truly think there has to be a confidence issue right now in Vic where I don't think that he thinks – that he's back, and I don't think he is back. But it's just, it's it, there's got to be something there because the Vic of old, when he was healthy, there would be he'd be drawing a lot more double teams. He'd be able to kick it out. He'd be able to find some open open shooters. And right now, I just feel like he's relying too much on that three point ball, where four of his five made field goals came from three. That's a great point, Foch. And you know, one thing I was gonna say is. Those six turnovers probably came from when he did put the ball on the floor. Maybe that's why he's not been doing it as much, because his handle seems to be off. Um, he did it have is. a really nice steal in the first quarter, I believe it was. Then he went for a dunk, and uh, Jimmy Butler met him at the rim. And he looked pretty disgusted that he didn't get a foul call. I, I had a hard time really seeing on my phone while I was watching during my lunch break um, exactly how much contact Jimmy got there. But, you know, T.J. Warren finished that play up there with a, a nice little putback with Duncan Robinson on him. So, you know, the Pacers still got the two points, but it was like I was so excited to see that burst from Oladipo. But then we never really saw it again. 
And mm-hmm. he did go 8 of 8 from the free throw line. What is interesting, we talked about free throws. Only two players on the Pacers are getting to the free throw line. Brogdon and Oladipo had 17 of the Pacers' 20 attempts. The only other person that got any free throw attempts was Justin Holliday, who got fouled on a three-point shot by Tyler Hero in the second half. So, really, when it comes down to it, we talked about it last week, or not last week, two days ago, when we were saying we need Oladipo because he's somebody that can you know help create. But at the end of the day, the, the three-point percentage was not good for the Pacers. 35% is okay, I guess. Um, but a lot of it was just, you know, bad shot attempts. Miles Turner was the only one that was really efficient from three. Aaron Holiday was two of three from behind the arc. Miles was three from three. So those two guys together shot the ball well. But, you know, Victor, you said it, he's got to be more assertive. He's got to get to the paint. Um, he cannot keep settling for three-point shots. That That's ridiculous. That means he only really had three attempts inside the arc that, um, that were counted mm-hmm. as field goal attempts and that he didn't get fouled on. So... He's got to be better at that. Got to take care of the ball. Um, he seems still pretty confident like he usually is after the game. I uh, saw some quotes where he said, this ain't over yet. It's only two games. We'll figure things out. Well, it's like, you got to start figuring things out. You know, you're already down two to nothing. You got to beat this team that you've lost five games in a row to four times out of the next five if you want to win this series. So, long story short, Foch, I uh, I don't know. I, I thought the Pacers would have won game one if Vic was in there. But after watching them today, I'm not sure what to expect from this team going forward. They're just way too inconsistent. Offense is way too stagnant. And they have been completely outplayed, out-hustled, out-energized, and out-physicaled by the Miami Heat. Out-coached also. I mean, we're not yeah. going to, you know, this doesn't just, Spolstra, you got to tip your hat. He is a really good coach. Years ago, I remember being, you know, one of those guys that was saying, well, let's see what he can do without LeBron and Wade and Bosh. And he's had Miami as a consistent winner, and and they've they've kind of started over, you know, at times. And I, I think they're they're building something pretty special over there. Um, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say, oh, they're this great team right now because this is a Pacers team that that's that is hobbled. But you know, I'm going to tip my hat to to Spolstra. I do think he's winning this coaching battle over there, so he needs a little bit of respect. But also. I put out a tweet earlier. I want to know what you think. I'm curious. Do you think – I mean, Malcolm Brogdon earlier, I think he dislocated a finger earlier in the season. Do you think maybe there's been any lingering issues or anything? Because his shot, it has just not been the same this year. And right now through two games, he's shooting 10 of 32. I mean, it, it's it's rough out there. I mean, he yeah. missed two free throws today. Brogdon used to be, you know, automatic. He's actually missed – three free throws in this series so far this is a guy who a couple years ago was shooting like mid 90s mm-hmm. from free throw i mean he used to have streaks of like 50 plus free throws made in a row and you're talking about now you know it's not just, i mean i watched him miss i think it was like two out of four free throws in in a stretch and it's just not like him and i just feel like for from now he had i want to say he had like two made shots earlier in the game and he only finished with four made shots so at least he was getting to the line but Man, that that shot has just not been falling. He's been attacking the rim, has had a tough time finishing. I give him respect for attacking the rim, but ooh, it's it's been tough for him. Yeah, I mean, maybe the dislocated finger is something that we should look at. Look at, but I mean, um, that was back in December, right? December, January time frame. It's I mean, been a that's while. Yep. that's that's had plenty of time to heal. So, 
I, I would I wouldn't think it's that Foch, but let me ask you this. Do you remember why Malcolm said he wanted to come to Indiana? Not off the bat. I know he said some great things about the, the team and, and all that. What oh. was uh, his specific reasoning? Well, what he said is he wanted to have a bigger role. I'm sure you remember that now that I bring it up. Oh, but of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, you know, last year he's playing basically as a catch-and-shoot guy with Giannis and the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he's going where he has the ball in his hands 95% of the time. And I, I know he didn't shoot as much as he probably could have because he shot a lot in game one. But it still felt like there was a lot of times where he would, you know, have to pull back and then try to, you know, drive and shoot a three on like a bigger defender. A lot of times it was bam when they were trying to do those switches. But one thing that I just don't, I mean, one thing that was frustrating with Malcolm is uh, he had Goran Dragic on him a lot. And he's a lot bigger than Dragic. I mean, look at his frame, 230 pounds, six foot six, big dude, right? And there were some times he did get Dragic in foul trouble. Dragic would foul him, whatever. And, uh, you know, he would win that matchup. But one of the things that frustrates me is he does not play above the rim. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of times he is always underneath the rim. And it makes it a lot easier to defend. Um, and I, I just feel like he's not that guy that, you know, I, I like him a lot. But I don't think the Pacers are going to succeed if he's the primary ball handler. No turnovers. I understand all that. I think he's fine at that role. But if he's going to be the main scorer, I guess you could say. Um, it's just going to be rough. Because if the Heat are putting Goran Dragic on him, he's probably their fourth best wing defender on the court. That means that they're not too afraid of him because they feel like their help defense is good enough. So that's just one of those things where we're going to have to keep an eye on. I know Duncan Robinson guarded him a lot in the first first half before they made that switch. He just he's got to figure out a way to use his body. I always reference this, and I'm sorry if I'm you know beating the dead horse, but uh, go back and look at Kyle Lowry. Watch Kyle Lowry play basketball. He knows how to use his body to his advantage. Brogdon has got to do a better job of that. And and you know I I just T.J. Warren I think ended up with the most attempts right, or was it a, or was it Oladipo? No, it was Warren by one. Uh, right. Brogdon and Oladipo tied for second, fourteen okay. shots. Right, so I mean that's I mean the scoring was pretty leveled out today, but there was nobody on this team that you felt was dominant during the game. Nobody that really put the fear in Miami. Nobody that went off, and that's a problem. The Pacers don't have that guy, and you know while I love the way Miles Turner played today, he was much more efficient. Uh, the offense being stagnant is due in part to the absence of Sabonis. I don't want to go into that too much, but I do think it's necessary to say defensively they might be a worse team without or with Sabonis on the court. They might be worse, but offensively he creates so much, and you can see that they're missing that creator on offense. No, they are. It shows. I mean, when you're talking about the defensive stat, I mean, right now the Pacers in the series are giving up 111 points per game. I mean, no one's going to complain about that in today's NBA. You know, that's it's. Some teams are putting up 125 points per game. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous. But the Pacers don't have a creator right now at all. I mean, they they really don't. Uh, I do want to tip my hat to Miles Turner because I did kind of call him out last episode, and I felt like he responded today. Seven of eight from the field, you know, five blocks, 17 points, eight boards. It was a good game for Turner. But when you're talking about someone who could dominate – the, the, the baskets, I felt like they were very spread out 
Like I felt like Turner would get, you know, one to two baskets a quarter. You know, that that was about it. He wasn't going on runs. It wasn't like you were feeding him three times in a row. I, I just felt like it was a good game for him where he looked more confident in a catch and shoot. Just go up with it. Don't think about it too much. So I thought he played really well, but you put out a tweet, which I thought was spot on. Pacers are lacking a killer right now. They're, they're lacking the guy that can go out where the defense knows, oh, my God, you know, we're going to have to send help to this guy every single time. When, when I think about that, I think of that game one that the Pacers beat the Cavs on a couple of years ago when Oladipo was just on fire and he was just – I mean, it got to the point where the Cavs started really double-teaming him. Occasionally, you'd see a triple-team. I mean, it, it was – I know he's not healthy right now. He's not fully healthy. But just Jimmy Butler is drawing so much attention right now that it opens up looks for everyone, and the Pacers don't have that right now. I want to I want to give T.J. Warren as much credit as could possibly be, but just he's not selfish enough. At times, I feel like when he doesn't have it going – He's he's kind of quiet, and yeah. you know seven seven of fifteen. I mean, most team most players will take that all day. I, I believe that's like 47 percent. I mean, for most players, that's a good percentage. It was just a very quiet game because I feel like Warren had maybe eight at half, so he goes with about six points in the second half. Same thing with Oladipo, twenty two points, only two in the third quarter. He had ten and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. it just it just felt like. A lot of those points came late in the game, and just the Pacers—they they seemed like a kind of like a quiet team, you know, in, in the second half. Because in the first quarter, I was feeling pretty good. I thought after after they got themselves in a, a rough hole, they dug themselves out. But the same thing kind of happens. The other team makes changes, and I feel like the Pacers don't. Yeah, I mean, I I put that tweet out because when I watch this team, I think to myself, who is the guy? You know. I look at Miami and I'm watching them and I see Dragic going off, but like he doesn't put the fear in me, even though I probably will be fearful of him now after these two, these last two games. But Jimmy Butler is that guy and he Mm -hmm. just, I mean, I don't like the guy. Don't get me wrong. I I think he's a pain in the butt and I'm not, I'm sure that his teammates uh, probably get tired of him after a while too and whatever. But one thing that, you know, he leads by example. He, he's there to pick his guys up first. He's constantly, you know, trying to get foul calls. I mean, that's one thing Miami does a great job at is hunting the foul, whether they're kicking their legs out on three-point shots or when they drive to the basket, they're flopping all over the place. I mean, give it, give them credit. They do a good job of getting to the free throw line. But Jimmy Butler, you, you talk about it all. You've talked about it the last two episodes. He basically gets all the attention, which allows other guys to get open looks. And he's fine with that. I mean, he's only averaging like – 18, 20 points a game against the Pacers this year. So it's not like he's averaging this god-awful number like James Harden-like. But what he does is he has like seven or eight assists and like seven or eight rebounds, and he's just a complete player. The Pacers, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, nice guy, but he's not a killer. T.J. Warren, I put this tweet out on Wednesday morning. The Pacers traded for T.J. Warren in hopes of him being a third or fourth option for this team. It was not where T.J. Warren was supposed to be the number one guy. Now, in the bubble, T.J. Warren took on that role because, hey, McMillan went down there thinking Vic's not going to play. Sabonis has plantar fasciitis. No Jeremy Lamb. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of Warren and a lot of Brogdon. So, you know, the Pacers have had to adjust. 
And Warren's a good score, not great. He's still figuring things out. Um, I was having a conversation a little bit on Twitter. You probably saw it with Jeremiah Johnson and uh, Jared Wade. Basically, JJ was just kind of frustrated with the amount of foul calls Jimmy's getting. But TJ doesn't really initiate the contact and doesn't really go to get the fouls. He doesn't sell enough. And I really believe that the Pacers have to start selling a little bit more when they go to the basket. Especially a guy like TJ Warren. He's strong. He's big. He's bulky. He can be a a guy that can get to the free throw line. He had zero attempts today. Zero. That's not going to cut it. He's got to get at least six a game just to start out with. And he has to continue to grow from there. But, you know, Sabonis to me, he might be a killer but to me, Sabonis is still like a second or third option, and that's one thing we've talked about with this team and the construction of it. They have a lot of great second and third option players. No killer, no bulldog, nobody that's going to take this team to the next level. You hope that all of them together can maybe equal one bulldog, one killer, but so far they've just been outmatched, and it's been frustrating. And I just I just don't know. they got to make a move in the offseason. I'm not sure what they do, but they've got to get – Somebody in here that's going to crank it up a little bit. That's why I was such a big fan of Pat Beverly, Fodge. You know I was. but that, uh, I'll give you that. You were. You were, uh, you know, you were running the, the, the parade for Beverly. Yeah, but it's just because of the intensity that he brings. We don't have that guy. Pacers no, have, not at all. They got a lot of good guys, and that's fine. Have a good guy. Have a good culture. But if you're not going to be tough, you're not going to be tough-minded. You're not going to be a little crazy. You're not going to have a little Ron Artest in you. You know, pardon uh, the people that hate Artest for the whole brawl thing, but you need a little crazy on your team. I think having Lance Stevenson would have been beneficial for that. Lance in this series, you know, while I know that X's and O's and analytics might say that Lance wouldn't have been a great fit, just having that bulldog mentality, someone to get these guys, you know, over the edge, I, I think would have helped. And, we talked about it. If somebody knocks, you know, TJ Warren on their butt, who's going to go out there and, and step up to that guy that knocked him down? We know that Jimmy Butler is going to be in anybody's face uh, if somebody from the Pacers knocks him down. But I guarantee if the Pacers had a guy like Lance on their roster, if he would probably come off the bench because he's just so crazy and getting and getting Jimmy's face, or he'd make him pay for it later. Uh, and not saying he's as good as Jimmy, obviously, but I'm just saying bulldog mentality. They need it. They miss it, and it's going to hurt them in the long run. Alex, this made me want to grab a sign and get on a flight and go to Orlando and just stand outside the bubble with a sign petitioning to sign Lance Stevenson because (laughs) they were all valid points. Completely right. Who is that guy for right now? Well, we have have TJ McConnell as that guy. It's almost like, hey, he's a good sport. You know, like (laughs) he's got the right attitude. I mean, that's what it feels like. We have that guy, the guy who's going to, you know, clap and say, hey, you'll get him next time. But we want the guy who's going to say, hey, we're not going to take that from you. The guy who's going to, you know, get in someone's face. And we don't have that right now. Unfortunately, I don't want to go back and harp on the, the scene when, when you know, we lost to the Heat last week. And, you know, Vic was smiling, you know, dapping up, you know, you know Jimmy and Bam and all those guys. It was rough to see. But we, we need right now, we need someone who does not want to be friends with these guys. It even feels like TJ Warren and Jimmy have squashed their beef. It, yeah. it, it just it just feels like right now they're they're taking the loss. Sure they're going to say the right things in the media, but but they're lacking that bulldog right now. And I think that that's something right now that the front office has to address in the offseason. You need to bring in someone who's going to you're talking about like you mentioned about having the right culture. Well, I think you might need to tweak the culture a bit. To, to say that right now the Pacers have just been a good 
playoff team for year after year after year. But Alex, we're running into a wall right now where I just feel like, how can this team get better? And someone even tweeted at me saying, do you think the Pacers are going to trade Oladipo? I said, if you trade Oladipo, I think this is going to show to other free agents, hey, if we did Oladipo like that, what do you think we'd do to you? You know, I don't, I don't think people would sign here. I yeah. think that the move is going to have to come elsewhere. It might have to trade someone else. But right now, we have a bunch of pretty good players. But we don't know who's taking the shot at the end of the game. You imagine it's probably Oladipo. But it, it just feels like when you need a basket, who's going to come up with it? And right now, I don't know. If Vic's fully healthy, yeah, I'd feel more confident that it's him. But where do we go from here? Because we don't have a first-round pick this year. So you can't you can't angle that to, to bring in someone else. The bench, I mean, there's, there's no one of value right now that you can really make a trade. And you use your first-round pick to bring in another center. So unless Goga's going to take that next step forward, then you have three centers. Well, what about everybody else? Jeremy Lamb's going to be sidelined for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know how this team can get better unless it happens internally, but I'm with you. Something has to happen. Yeah, I mean, you you make a great point on Oladipo. When you when you look at Victor, what you expect from him is uh, you expect the Pacers to give him a contract extension, even if he's not one hundred percent himself. They've got to make sure that they make it known to other free agents, "Hey, we'll take care of our players." Um, but if Vic says he wants out, then I think you have to trade him. And honestly, mm-hmm. there are some guys down in Miami. If they do a sign and trade with Miami. You got to get at least one of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson back, and I think you know if you can get a shooter like that, it will help. But ultimately, I, I just I just can't consider this Pacers team a a good playoff team if they don't win in the playoffs. Fachi, they're they're a good regular season team, but they continue to get bounced every year in the playoffs. I mean, they're not bounced yet. It's still a long series. We'll talk about all this at the end of the series or end of the playoffs if the Pacers do. Advance because it's still they still got you know five more games to try to win four so we'll see anything can happen it's the NBA but I'm just saying you know when when it comes to constructing this roster I am so sick and tired of well we had injuries well we had this oh we had that the injuries aren't your problem it's your offensive it's your offensive system that's a problem and it's 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 your uh, it's your no it's your no bulldog offense that is killing this team because. I love Sabonis. I love Oladipo. I think Brogdon's fine. I love TJ Warren. Miles Turner is so inconsistent. That's what's frustrating with him. But even even if he is consistent, there's no bulldog. And there's no guy that's going to go out there and just take over a game. And I think the identity of this team not having a true leader on the court is what's going to keep them from succeeding in the playoffs. So they've got to figure out who that guy is. I know they want it to be Victor. But right now, Victor's a little passive sometimes. Um, we saw it a lot during the bubble. He deferred a lot to TJ Warren. Kind of just feels like he's going through the motions, trying to figure himself out. I don't think it's Brogdon. Um, I've, I've, I've talked enough about Brogdon. I think he's a fine player, but I don't think he is the greatest player <laughs> that the Pacers could go out there and get. So they're going to have to figure something out. I don't know what it is, but... For Game 3, Foch, they're going to have to be a lot more attentive to Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic, figure out what guys they're going to put on them, and make sure that they let, like I said last time, let Jimmy and Bam beat you, but don't let those other guys beat you, because when those other guys beat you, you're in for a long night. 
that's what it it feels like right now. You have to be able to protect the perimeter for you know Miami because right now, I mean, they the, their three point shooting it's scary. It really is, and it feels like a guy like Bam. You know, like you mentioned, let him beat you. It doesn't seem like he's going to be someone who's going to be overly aggressive and dominant. They'll play through him and Jimmy like that. But guys like Duncan Robinson don't need the ball a lot to to make an impact. I mean. Drogic's making threes. Tyler Hero's making threes. The other day we saw, you know, Jay Crowder is making threes. I mean, it's just there's a lot that's going to happen there. The Pacers need to have one of those games where you guard the three-point line well and you don't turn the ball over. Guys need to be more aggressive, get to the line. I mean, 20 free throw attempts, like, I don't remember exactly what they shot in game one, but it just feels like you got to bring those numbers up. Mm-hmm. Because it, most of those free throws, like I mentioned, not most of them, but a good amount of them came when the game was it was already a 10-point game. So I'd like to see that earlier on. I think by halftime, I want to say the Pacers only had about six free throws, um, or, or maybe it was eight. But either way, it was just it was a low enough number where it, it's tough. I just feel like this team continuously, they, they, they hang tight in that first quarter. Like each of the last two games, I want to say they led by six last game at half. And then all of a sudden, or yeah, yeah, led by six after half. And this game, they trailed by five, but you're in it. You're like, okay, this is a good game. Let's go. You know, last game, they, they were trailed by one going into the fourth quarter. And it just it just feels like whatever it is, I don't know if they're they're getting gassed or just the, the heat or just, I don't know. They just have not been able to execute right now. And I know you're if you look at a box score, you see the Pacers outscore the Heat by two. It wasn't like that. That game was was starting to stretch to a 15-point game. So curious to see what adjustments the Pacers make in the next game. I do think that starting lineup has to be tweaked. I imagine from now on, you know, Oladipo's eye is going to be good to go. If you could score 22 points and and suit up, I'm imagining you're good to go from here. I would like to see TJ Warren be more aggressive. I would like to see Miles bring the consistency. If you could play like you played today, hey – the Pacers are going to be better off for it. You know, yeah. only eight shots. I feel like we've all kind of been waiting for that Turner dominant game, and I don't know when it's going to happen. You know, there was that time where we had a like Samurai Miles and, you know, whatever it was. I mean, he had the, the, the face mask Miles. I mean, he was putting up over 20 <laughs> points. If we're going to win one of those games, he's just got to go off. 17 and 8, five blocks today was a really good game. Yeah. But right uh... now, we, we just need more. Yeah, I think this is the best Miles game you're going to get in this series. So do I. I'm not going to lie. I'm not yeah, going to lie. And, and that's not really a bad thing. I mean, this was a really it's good not. Miles game. It's just it uh, was. He's uh he's just not that he's just not that guy for the Pacers right I now. I mean, he's just got to knock down threes when he gets open shots, and I think they got to do a better job, especially in the first in the first half. I noticed that Duncan Robinson would get switched onto him quite a bit, and they would like just completely look him off in the post, and it's like. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's like if Duncan Robinson is absolutely killing you, he got a foul early on trying to shield Miles off from getting a rebound. If you go back to him uh, down low, Duncan Robinson A is either going to foul him and get in foul trouble, go to the bench, which is just great for the Pacers, or he's not going to be able to stop Miles. So anyway, Fudge, a lot of adjustments that need to be made. Um, Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.